Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Pulse today. Hallelujah. It's a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Let's go ahead and bow our heads in prayer and welcome the Lord into the church here today. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are here. You are in our midst now. Oh, Jesus, we love you. We're counting on you, Lord. You're the only one that we can count on because you are our rock. Blessed be your holy name. Hallelujah. We pray, Jesus, that the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart would be acceptable to you, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer in Jesus' name. Well, a few weeks ago, we had um, some friends of ours. I know they're friends of yours, too. Uh, L.A. and Linda in our home, and they truly do grace us with their presence when they are here. Uh, they are truly um, soldiers of the cross. And so when they were in our home, um, L.A. was sharing a story, and he was sharing about the alphabet prayer. I guess he was going through a situation, circumstance, um, maybe I'll have him share that the next time that they are here, and uh, he said the Holy Spirit spoke to him and told him to say the alphabet prayer. Well, of course, me being a uh, substitute teacher for primary grades, my ears perked up. I thought, what do we have here? And I was all ears. And so this is what he said. Jesus, I adore you. Heavenly Father, you are so beautiful. Oh, Lord, you are in charge of my life. You are my deliverer. You are excellent. Heavenly Father, you are the finest and the fairest of 10,000. And he went through the entire alphabet like that. Oh, I tell you, I was so blessed when he shared it. I just thought, oh, my how could I ever learn the alphabet prayer? And his wife said, it's different every time you say it. And so that's the really cool thing about the alphabet prayer. I just love it. I've been thinking about that, chewing on it, and I've thought, you know, we just need to take a moment and say the alphabet prayer uh, as often as we can because aren't we supposed to come into his presence with praise and thanksgiving? Isn't that what it's all about? So let's just take maybe, uh, just maybe five or 10 seconds and start um, our own alphabet prayer, your personal one. Let's just close our eyes and for a moment be silent as we just start reciting our own personal alphabet prayer. hallelujah. Don't you feel his presence as you say that? I know you do. Oh, and if you don't have his presence in your life, if you don't know the Savior, if you used to know him and you walked away for whatever reason it was, you can know him today. All you have to do is just say, Jesus, here I am. Take me, use me, fill me. Cleanse me, Heavenly Father, of all and enable me to walk with you hand in hand for the rest of my days. Oh, come into my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. 
And Jesus, may I give you all the praise in Jesus' name. And if you have prayed that prayer, you are now a part of the family of God. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God, aren't you? Hallelujah. Amen. That is wonderful. And I was doing it as my eyes closed, as you said, honey, and it really is different every time. And it's such a blessing. Now, if I'm not mistaken, honey, I believe when he shared this story about how he was seeking God and God told him to, to pray the alphabet prayer. And he said he didn't know what that was. And he explained to him what it was. He did it. And I believe he told us, honey, that, that a healing came after he did that. I believe he received a healing after that. So, folks, if you just obey God, he will walk you right to your healing. God will walk you right to your answer. God will walk you right to your dreams if you obey him one moment at a time, one day at a time. Uh, I try to get up and say, Lord, what do you want me to do today? What, is, what am I here for today? What is your purpose for me today? And, Lord, help me to be willing. <clears throat> and I know I did that just the other day, and, we had some things that changed their schedule a little bit. I was I willing to change? That's why I prayed that way. I was in Lowe's, walking around. I said, Lord, what do you want me to do today? Help me to be willing to do whatever it is. Are we willing to change our schedule? Are we willing to alter things? Are we willing to do something that maybe isn't the most, quote, fun thing to do that day? Are we willing? Um, sometime I'm going to have my sister come up and share her, her pie story. It's one of, the neatest, one of the neatest stories I think I've heard in a long time. You'll get blessed. Um, we are on part eight of There's Coming a Shaking. My name is John Sandy, my wife Cynthia. I'd love to have you, love having you with us. If you're live or on delay, glad to have you with us. We are the Paulson Gassaway, and uh, we feel the privilege to bring you the Word of God because our goal was to encourage you. Our goal was to give you a reason to press on because we go through things. Sometimes we find ourselves down in the mud. Sometimes we do, and, and we don't think there's much hope. You know, people that, uh, that take their own lives have come to a place where they see no hope. That's what suicide's all about, is a hopelessness. And God is always there to give you hope. If you'll reach out to him, wherever you're listening from, if you'll reach out to him, if you will give him an opportunity, he will give you hope and a way to get to it. All you have to do is start. All you have to do is we want to say yes and begin. You don't have to figure everything out. You don't know how you're going to do it down the road. Just right now. Because right now prepares you for the next right now. So, in review, just a tiny bit, I did break down types of shaking into four categories. There are many more in subcategories, but I simply want to lay out four. And we're getting ready to go into our third one here in just a moment. I want to review for just a moment. We were talking about Paul and Silas in the jail, if you remember last week, and the jailer, and how he and his family were all saved and baptized, and how the jailer's first act of a Christ-like heart was he... He dealt with the wounds and cleaned the wounds of Paul and Silas. <clears throat> now, if he's dealing with their wounds, I'm assuming that Paul and Silas were dealing with pain and discomfort. But they still sang praises and hymns 
while they were in the prison. They had no way of knowing when they were going to get out. They didn't know an earthquake was coming or shaking. But I do know that everywhere Paul went, it seemed he was just all about shaking things up. And you know what? Your obedience will do the same thing. Now, you can carnally, disobediently shake things up. You can stir up strife. You can say things you shouldn't say. You can do things you shouldn't do. And you can create a shaking that's not good. But Paul is all about a good shaking. A shaking that got people's attention that they would consider his Savior Christ. That they too may have eternal life like Paul was believing for. Well, another place in the, with this word that I've been reading from uh, talks about how the magistrates, they went through a shaking too. If you remember... They were beaten and thrown in prison for their, their preaching on the sidewalks. The magistrate did not know that they were Roman citizens. And they knew they were in hot water because of what they had done, not known. See, as a Roman, you have to be allotted a trial. You have to. They weren't. And they know that they messed up big time. So even in, inadvertently, Paul shook up everything around him, didn't he? And so they were scared, so they wanted him to just like, we'll let you out the back door, you know, you just go on your way, have a great day, you know. No, Paul wasn't going to do that. We won't get into that part, but he was determined to call it a shaking everywhere he went. It is also important to note here that sometimes we are the ones who do the shaking, as I just mentioned, whether through obedience or disobedience, you will create a shaking in your life. No man's an island. Every one of us are creating shakings in our life. Are they good shakings? Are they causing people to want to know Christ? Are they causing people to find hope? These are good shakings. But the bad shakings is when people are discouraged. Have you met anybody that won't go to church because of a bad experience? Have you met anybody that doesn't go to church anymore because someone in that church that quote, claimed to be a man or woman of God, did something that they knew was morally reprehensible? Yeah, we all could raise our hands, I'm sure. Whether it be a TV evangelist or someone in your church or a family member that goes to church, that's created a poor shaking in their family. That's caused the family to move away because that's not a pleasant shaking. Now, the kind of shaking that God's in is when it gets people's attention. And the last thing I'm going to talk about at the end of the series is a shaking that was necessary to turn a person's life around. Now, it's much better if you and I walk with, I hope we can hear this, if you and I walk with him one moment at a time, one day at a time, God can help you to avoid many shakings in your life. Now, there may be shakings around you, they may be family members or people that you are close to that breaks your heart, but it doesn't discourage you or cause you to question God. You draw closer to Him. See, that's what a shaking is designed to do, a good shaking. But there are some people that God just has to get their attention one way or another. Has God ever done anything in your life or allowed something in your life that caused you to, to get your attention? to stop what you're doing, to turn around and go the other way. God wants to do it without the shaking. God is not the author of confusion. God is not 
deliberately looking to set your world on fire. That's not his first choice. Do you know without, he, his stripes are for our healing, right? 1 Peter 2.24. But at the same time, John said, Beloved, I wish above all you prosper and be in good health. Now there's your choices. Now we can do our own thing and need a miracle. Now see, you can go through life, you say, well, I didn't cause myself to get sick. I didn't have anything to do with that. If you don't believe, you have. You have opened the door and unbeknownst to you, maybe invited in. So Jesus created stripes on his back so that you and I could have hope. Doctors have functional authority, and they serve their purpose. Many Christians today would be, would be dead today if it wasn't for doctors. But God's desire is that you have hope and that you have healing and purpose. So he suffered his stripes for his healing so you would have a way of escape. But what God wants to do, if I can underline that, what God wants to do is have you, is allow, help you to live a whole. Because obviously, as I've mentioned before, if you need a miracle, you have to have a crisis. And I, none of us want a crisis. We welcome the miracles because we're in great need. But what God wants you to do is walk whole. He wants you to walk in prosperity. These are his desires for each of us. God was not thrown by Solomon's wealth. Now, if you read the text of Solomon, you find out at the end of his life how it affected him and how he regretted many things. So it's important that we walk with him moment by moment, day by day. And that does not create, that does not need to have a great revelation. See, obedience and submission, it puts everything on God as far as what to do. So you say, well, I don't know what to do. I don't know what he wants me to do. I don't know if I have any gifts. And it goes on and on, right? No, God says, give me your life one day at a time. Submit yourself to him. Choose that day that you're going to serve him and watch him work. You'll avoid many shakings. You'll avoid many heartaches. You'll have access to his promises. See, when you're saved, you receive the Holy Spirit in part. Now, why do we need to baptize the Holy Spirit? Because the baptism is where we receive the gifts of the Spirit. Right, Paul? That's when God starts to operate through you in ways that he couldn't before. That's why when you have a need, it's important to evaluate your life because if you have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, then you are lacking a lot of what you need when you pray. So what do we do? How do you receive the Holy Spirit? He said, ask. That's what he said. Ask and you shall receive. See, God is not, he's not in a tricking business. He's not in a manipulating business. He is in a simple, straight, and narrow word. What did the centurion say to Jesus when he wanted his servant healed? He said, just say a word. Sometimes, as I've mentioned before, when we pray long prayers for someone to be healed, those long prayers are indicative of our lack of faith. And it's a process of begging God to do something. But God wants to help all of us to avoid unnecessary shakings, and a lot of unnecessary. He wants us to avoid 
sickness. He wants you in health. <clears throat> and if you get sick, I'm not saying you sinned. I'm not saying you have a demon. Although many of the things that Jesus delivered people from in the Bible were demonically uh, put on there. You know, one way you can tell if something is demonic when you're healed is instant healing. See, healing sometimes like the root of the, the tree, he cursed. It died immediately, but you couldn't see it until the next day. Sometimes your healings don't show up the same day they pray. Don't be discouraged. You hang on to God's Word. We are walking by faith. We are looking to Him, the author and finisher of our faith. Author and finisher of our faith. That means He writes the script for us and completes it. He will never give you a promise that does not have an end to it. We have seasons we go through. We have things we go through. But God is preparing us to go with Him all the way in this world. I don't know about you, but I want to do as much of His will in my life while I'm here. I don't want to get to heaven and find out what I missed. I don't want to be in a place where um, I regret. Do you like regrets? I don't either. I don't want to go to heaven. He said He's going to wipe the tears from our eyes. Me thinks, my opinion, He's going to show us all that He wanted to do with us and we didn't. All that we missed that could have been ours here, he said, my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Are they sick in heaven? Are they needy in heaven? Listen, are they doing without in heaven? Are your desires of your heart, oh, folks, I'm going somewhere here. Are the desires of your heart fulfilled in heaven? Yes to all. Guess what? He wants that here. Now, we walk in a fallen world. We know that. We live among sin, and sin affects our lives, Right? It's going to come in and affect our lives, but you and I can be victorious in the middle. We don't have to fail in the middle. We don't have to get to a place where we just can't do it anymore. Someone says, I, Jesus, I can't do this anymore. Not in yourself, you can't. But the shakings that God wants you to experience are going to lift you. Everything God does leaves no scars. Now, you learn from your scars. You learn from things you've done, whether it be uh, awful choices in life or, or drugs or alcohol, whatever it is, they leave scars, and you can learn from those. He said, I'll take them and use them if you give them. I didn't cause them, but I will take them and use them. So God is preparing for you. Well, this is a great, great word for you guys. I'm giving you encouragement here. God wants to avoid a lot of the shakings in your life. He wants you whole and prosperous. He wants you well. He wants you fulfilled which is the center of his will, and that's why we wait on him, so he can get us to the place where we will have ultimate fulfillment. If you have a job where you can't wait for Friday, you're probably not in God's will. If you hate your job so much, we've all been, my, my wife had a job, I think she only worked one day a month, and she dreaded it. It was, it was that bad. She called me at home. I'm dying here. This is awful. Okay. Honey, it's one day a week, one day a month. You can do this thing. Focus. But if you're miserable and your job, start praying. God has something better. I'll give you a little example. Years ago, I had lo I'd lost my, my uh, mentor. She had passed away, godly woman. Oh, the things I learned from her sitting at her table for hours at a time. And I was walking through the mall, and I just got a bad report concerning a doctor. And I was just trying to praise him. Walked out praising him. I walked in the mall. I said, Lord, 
I need to see John Fowler. Back then, the mall was pretty crowded. All of a sudden, shortly after that, I hear a voice from the second or third floor. John! I looked at it, and it was John Fowler. And he has been my mentor ever since. And he's asked me to be his accountability partner, which is a great honor. Folks, I'm telling you, seek him, you will find him. Knock, and the door will be opened. If you're not getting answers, listen to me. If you're not getting answers to your prayers after a certain period of time, and you sought counsel from people that are way up here with, with, for you to look at in their spiritual walk, if you're not getting an answer, you need to stop and reevaluate. Because somewhere we are failing because he has promised, if you knock, I'll open. If you seek me, you will find me. Are you finding him? Or do, you, do you have holes in your life? Seek him in those areas and wait before him and choose him over yourself. I guarantee you, I don't care what area of your life it's in, he will show up. And he's never late. Doesn't come when we want most of the time. We look at our watch and go, I don't know, God. It's like, you know, the bills and the mail. And I, you know, okay. Seek him. You know what he'll do? He'll begin to evaluate your motives. He'll begin to evaluate your life choices and your decisions. And he'll put his finger right on it. He'll say, right here, are you tithing? Or did you do what I asked you to do yesterday? Do you remember me telling you I wanted you to do this? You didn't do it. Start doing my will, and I'll guide you right in the center of my universe. See, God is the center of the universe. God is the center of all things. And if you will let him, he will invite you in to the center of his universe. He'll tell you things that no one knows. He'll reveal secrets to you. He'll share things with you. He'll, he said, I'll give you the ability to gain wealth. Lord, give me an idea. There was one woman that she didn't have much, and she said, God, we need help financially. I need you to help me. What do I do? And he said to her, and she was making homemade clay for children that was non-toxic, and she did all these colors and things. He told her, he said, take that, make it into bars, put them in a bag, sell them. Before long, she had 80 employees. She is the same woman that was on uh, Shark Tank that was showing then that, that, that little, there's different colors, these little stands you get on, you twist on to lose weight. That's her. They said her next royalty check was probably a billion dollars. A mother in a home, but serving a God that knows everything. Serving a God that can tell you anything you need to know. You do not have to go without. God will, God will create character in his people if you let him. But you've got to go through boot camp. You've got to go through the process. You've got to be willing to say no. Let me tell you what. You know what God wants from you? He wants all of you. And that's not much. He wants all of you. Nothing short of all of you. Why is our country in the shape it's in? Why is our world in the shape it's in? The church has dropped the ball. 
You put it all in the church. How can you do that? Because we have all authority. He said he gave it to us. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same one that lives inside of you as a believer. How powerful is that? I've said this before. Let me share it again. When God created the universe, there was no obstruction. There was no problem with anything coming against him. He created the universe. He spoke it into existence. And he was the word as well as spoke the word. There was no resistance. But when he raised his son from the dead, all hell came against him. That's the spirit he gave you. That's the one he gave you. The one who stood against all hell and won. That's what's inside of you. So when those shakings come, if you're walking with him, you will not be caught off guard. You may not know it's coming in the flesh, but when it does, you're all right. Because you are in the middle of God's universe. And he will back everything you say and do because he can trust you with it now. You get to the place where all of a sudden something comes against you. You say, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke you. And it has to go. It has to go. Does it show up? Do I feel it in my body yet? Maybe not. That has nothing to do with God's promises. What I feel, my five senses, my carnality. No. It's God's promises because he can trust you. Once he can trust you, he'll release it into your hands and you will speak it. You will call it out. You will do. He said, greater things will you do than I did. Greater things. Luke 9, 5, from the NIV is where I'm reaching from. Luke 9, 5. If people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. Folks, we got to stop not just hanging around the world. We've got to stop carrying around the world. They're going to pull you down. It's like I said last week. You tell the wrong people your dreams. You tell the wrong people your, your ideas, and they will shoot them down. You battling with a disease, you tell the wrong person, and that person says, well, you know, my aunt had that disease, and she died. See, that's what you got to You got to use wisdom in who you show your dreams with. You don't share your dreams with just anybody. I have dreams that I don't share with hardly anybody for many years now because I don't need the extra battle of questioning. Are you sure about that? I've never heard that happen before. You really think God would do that? See, I don't need that. You don't need that. You need, you need to get around people that will get excited about your dream. Weep with those that weep, rejoice with those that rejoice. What does that mean? When someone is really hurting, you carry that load with them. You don't just say, I'm so sorry. I was out running one day, and a man was in a wheelchair just pulling himself along a long distance. And I stopped, and I said, do you need some help? And he said, no, thank you. Do you know what that meant? He didn't think I meant that. So I said it a second time. I said, really, can I help you? He let me, because now he knew I meant it. See, you and I, are we're so superficial, we're not careful. We say to people, because we know they're going to say no, am I right or not? We know, right? We know, they know you're going to say no, so then you offer. Need, do you need some help? They, that's the way they see us. Do you need some help? No, thanks, I'm fine. No, really. Do you need some help? Oh, you meant it. 
So I took him a half a mile in his wheelchair to a bus stop. And then I got back and picked up on my run where I was. I stopped three times that day to pray and speak to people, to bless them. Are you willing? I mean, really, are you willing? Because God is looking for a people that will stand and not be shaken. Why did he say when you've done all you know to do to stand, stand? Why did he say stand a second time? He wanted to make sure you understood, do not move. Do not move, and I'll bless you. I'll take you places you never thought going, and you haven't taken a step. But I took you. See, we got to want what God wants more than what we want. We got to want to be in the center of God. I don't want to go to heaven and find out anymore. I've missed a lot. I don't want any more. I don't want to miss any more. I don't want to go to heaven and have my life flash before me and even travel through this period of my life. I want to get to that point where the blood's covered it all and, it, and there's nothing else to discuss. You were in my will. So we need to walk before God seeking Him and not ourselves because, folks, that is when you're going to find out why your prayers aren't answered. That's when you're going to find out. Here's what one man of God said, and I loved it. He said, here's one thing you're going to say a lot when you get to heaven. Oh, you were right. He said, you're going to say that a lot. Oh, you were right. Oh, you were good. We're going to say that a lot. Right now, we're required to trust him. Lean not. Oh, and this is huge. Lean not to your own understanding. In how many ways? Completely surrendered. All your ways. Do what? Acknowledge who? Him, and what he promised to do, direct your paths. Now, since you've been willing to stand, he said, now I can trust you, come with me. I'm going to take you places. <coughs> places that so few people will understand. In fact, he'll tell you, if you stick with me after a while, you'll, be, you'll feel like you're alone. Because that narrow road is so narrow, and few go that find it. Few. The Bible says few. Many are called, but few are chosen. Many are called. So God is looking for a people that is willing to stand through the shaking so that in obedience you avoid many shakings. See, what God wants to do is teach you something without scars. He took on the scars, folks. See, here's the thing people don't talk much about, and I hope you make note of this. His stripes were our healing, right? His scars were for our scars. Isn't that good? His scars are for our scars. He does not want you to have scars to learn. He doesn't want to do it that way. He took your scars as well. He has created a place that you and I can have peace in this world. I mean, this world's a mess. But you know what? If we trust Him, we can have peace in the middle of it. Jesus slept on the boat when the waves were coming, didn't He? He was asleep. I have a feeling, methinks, that Jesus was in full trust of His Father. 
He said, I come to do only my Father's will, not my own. Do you realize his example is our example? We're not to do our own will either. Even in heaven, Jesus does the will of his Father. That never stops. When you get to heaven, God's promises, God's personality, his character does not change once you're in heaven. It's not like God says, oh, man, I'm glad this is over. I can take a break. No, his holiness will never end. His promises will never end. They will carry into eternity. And he has bound himself to his word. Do you think that God, I don't know, might be tempted to do some of the things he did in the Old Testament? Like open up the ground, swallow up some things? Do you think he might be tempted? But no, his word has bound him to grace and mercy. We are living under grace and mercy. Unmerited favor. He has bound himself to that. If God gives you a promise in the Bible, two things. It's personal and your name is on it. And he will not do something for someone you or you that he won't do for you or you. Every time you see, do you see why we're supposed to rejoice with people that rejoice? Because we're seeing in a mirror what God has for us too. So get excited for what God does for other people. I mean, if they get something you've been longing for and you didn't get it, you get excited. You get excited for them. You get behind them. You rejoice with them. And I guarantee you God will take notice. I don't know how many times God will do it in, in according to eternity, but when he stood, when Stephen was stoned, I believe, methinks, that there are other times that God stands even to this day because it gets his attention. And you know what that is? Is when you totally release your will for his. I believe there's a fatherly pride that wells up inside of him that causes him to see. He'll look at you and here's what he'll say. That's why I created you. That's why I did that. It's for what you just did. Now, I'm a former teacher. If you've ever been a teacher or taught a class, and all of a sudden a student, get the light comes on and they get what you're teaching, that's a great moment for a teacher. It was for me. Mr. Sandy, I got it. They're saying, look at this. They're saying, I went home and did this again. I, Mr. Sandy, I understand. That's, that's what it's all about for a teacher. It was for that light to come on. So when God sees that light come on in you, it's a proud moment for him. Because his child has now done what I asked him to. And he stands and he says, Jesus says, Dad, look, I want you to see this. He loves you. He loves you. Let me tell you something, folks. If it hasn't come, it will come if you seek him. There's a day coming where you can't hardly mention the name of Jesus without crying. He's that wonderful. He's that awesome. He is that faithful. It's time to start quest it's time to stop questioning God. God can handle questions, but he doesn't want you to question him. Try you say, Oh, I wish you had trusted me more. I wish you had wanted to do what I wanted you to do. There comes a time when we need to get off milk. Move on. John chapter 2, verses 12 and through 17, as we get ready to wrap up. John chapter 2, verses 12 through 17. This again from the NIV as well. After this, the wedding, speaking of the wedding, he, Jesus, went down to Capernaum with his mother and brothers and his disciples. There they stayed for a few days. 
when it was almost time for the, for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem in the temple courts and found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at a table exchanging money. He made a whip of cords. He made the whip himself and drove out from the temple courts both sheep and cattle and scattered the, the coins on the money changers' tables and overturned the tables. And those who sold doves, he said, quote, get these out. Get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. Folks, the temple is the beginning of our heart. Now, this was a physical temple, and they were disobedient. They were, not, they were using it for the wrong purposes. They were turning it into something else instead of a house of prayer. And he drove them out. He had time to think about this as he made the cords. He did this twice before he ascended into heaven. He went into the temple twice. But let's, let's spiritualize this just a little bit. Our heart is the temple of God. We are his temple. My question to us is this. They may have done this in a physical temple, but what God's concerned about in the New Testament is what are you doing with my temple inside of you? What are you doing with that temple? What are you doing with the temple inside of you? Is it clean? Do you invite things into your home that shouldn't be there? Do you do things in secret that you shouldn't do? What are you doing with God's temple? Because he works in his temple. He could not operate, now listen here, he could not operate in this temple the way it was. He can't operate in your temple the way it is either if it is corrupt. So you can fool, now here's a biggie, folks, you can fool everybody you want, including your pastor, but one day it'll be just you and God. So you can fool people all you want. You can get positions in the church, you can teach, you can have ministry assignments, you can share uh, things that should be done in the church, you can do all that. But if your temple is corrupt, God is not in it. There were even people in the Bible that healed in his name. He said, I never knew you. Never knew you. So where he could not operate in a corrupt temple, he cannot operate in our corrupt temple either. It's so important that we realize that God is a holy God. Sin cannot enter heaven. That's why we have the blood. Be careful you don't find yourself sitting at a table that Jesus is getting ready to overturn. Where are you sitting in life? Are you in a place where God is pleased? Are you in a place where Jesus can come in or not able to? See, he won't force himself on you. He'll stand at the door and knock. But he's looking for a people that will invite him in. Folks, you can't invite him in unless your temple's clear. He won't come in. He will not endorse anything you do, no matter how good it looks, if your temple's not clean. I was talking to someone just yesterday about gossip and the tongue. I said, it's no wonder the Bible says, if you can control your tongue, you can control any part of the body. The tongue is desperately wicked. 
And if you're a gossiper or if you're stirring trouble or if you have hate for someone, your temple is not ready for visitation. It's only ready for rebuke. So when you don't see things happening in your life, look inward. Look at yourself. God is faithful. God will do exactly what he said he'll do. He will never fail you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. We don't have to pray for God to go with us as believers. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I am with you all the way. And he'll carry us if he has to. But he is faithful. Whenever God gives us a choice, it means that we still have hope. Does God deal with you? Does God deal with you at all? Does he say things to you like give suggestions or maybe encourage you or gently rebuke you and give you hope at the same time? Then you do have hope if he gives you a choice. We need to listen for his voice. It means that we still have hope, an opportunity to make right decisions. Folks, I don't care where you're at. I don't care how deep in sin you are, if you're listening right now. I don't care where you are. I don't care how many people you fooled. You know exactly where you are. But I want you to know you have hope. God has not given up on you, but we have given up on him. So we need to get back in line so that we can avoid many of the shakings. I encourage you to try this for one week. Just try this for one week. Every day you get up. Start with praise. Praise is always in order. Start with praise and say, Jesus, I give you this day. I want to do your will today. I want to be faithful today. Help me, Jesus. I give you permission to change my schedule. As I said last week, I am convinced God can walk and chew gum at the same time. He can get you through your regular schedule. He, he knows you have assignments. He knows you have a job. He knows all that. And somehow, someway, just look like on my run that day, he can fit his divine purpose right into your schedule. He can fill your day with so many opportunities to acknowledge Jesus. You don't have to go preaching to people. Just live it. Just live it in front of them. Be real. Try, strive for holiness. God will never fail you. I want to encourage you all to try this, and I may even ask someone to speak next week to give an example of that, how they did it and God did something in their day that they were not expecting. Just put, I'm telling you, folks, I shared last week that I had two situations where I met a cup, I met a family uh, running through a cemetery that stopped me all the way from the state of Washington, and I got to try to encourage them over the situation. That night, I went to a restaurant, and a woman asked me, she said, are you a minister? I said, yes. She said, would you pray for my husband? I never met her. God will change your dinner schedule. He'll change someone else's dinner schedule. He'll bring someone from the state of Washington down your path if you're available. And he will know if you're available. He'll know if you mean it. When I tell you to pray this each morning for a week, he'll know if you mean it. And he just might test you to see if you're willing the next day to really be available. Jesus, I praise you. You're so awesome. You're so wonderful. You never fail. You stick closer than a brother. 
you sent your son to die for me because Adam failed and I was born in sin, so you sent your son so I could have a way out. You had the best for those who leave the choice to you. You've gone to heaven. You said, I've gone to prepare a place for you. If it were not so, I would have told you. God, you are faithful. Every promise is for every person living. Because as we've mentioned in Isaiah, this, Isaiah 139, verses 14 through 16, before we were even formed in the womb, you wrote us down our story in a book. It's awesome. That's how, that's how personal you are with each and every one of us. You know us by name. You leave your DNA on every believer to spread to other people. Help us, Lord, to be more like you, to deny ourselves, to resist the carnal nature, to guard our tongue and our mind that we can walk as you've taught us to walk. We praise you, Father. And I pray anyone listening, delayed or online or in the service, that has needs to rededicate their life or take a new step forward, dusting their shoes off and leaving the town behind that we do not receive you, that you may not carry the weight of that sin of that town. Help us, Lord, to be faithful. We bless you. We praise you. And thank you for this privilege today of sharing your word. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. Amen. Thank you. Please hit like and share. It would help us a lot. Hit like and share and send us a message. Don't comment if you'd like to uh, need prayer or want to give a praise report. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you.